about as many herbs as I can. So a little bit of, of food, but primarily, what am I looking at? Rose, green onions, chives, uh, several different types of sage. I have pear trees, linden trees, um, comfrey, lavender, a couple different types of mint, lemon balm. I'm sitting under a grapevine. I have um, a sprawling thyme beneath me, so that's lots awesome. of medicine. What's your favorite one? My favorite herb? That's like asking me to choose my favorite child if I had children. <laughs> um, it, it, depends on, it depends on the need, you know, what, and I think that's something that is so important for us to dive into as well is people want to know like, oh, what's the best mushroom I should take? Or what's the best herb? Or what's the best diet? And uh, part of my practice is um, I was trained in the vitalist tradition when it comes to herbalism. And with all of the work I do, I really take into account the individual. So your body is going to need something different than my body versus our neighbor's body versus even someone in your family. And that can change based on where you're living, right? I live in Colorado at almost 6,000 feet. It's really dry here. My body's going to need different things than if I was living, you know, at sea level where it was really humid and I was exposed. And then my, my stress levels, what I'm eating. Um, and I think one of the biggest fallacies in kind of the Western model of treatment for whatever ailment is present is not taking the individual into account and saying you have a labeled ailment and therefore we will prescribe you a medication that we would prescribe to anyone who has that same labeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we recognize that with our bodies, we also start to recognize that with our natural medicine, whether it's the plants and the mushrooms is they each have their own energetics. Some are hot, cold, warm, dry. Yeah. It's so it's like, like the, it's like a, um, so to me, it seems like almost like an Ayur, an Ayurvedic approach and kind of just, at least my understanding of Ayurveda is just really paying attention to like the cycles and just how the interconnectedness of it all and how everything works together. Yeah, so in Ayurveda, you have these three doshas or body types, and they're all associated with the elements, right? So you have your vata dosha, which is more air-based, and your pitta, which is more fiery, and your kapha, which is more earth. Um, but in every traditional system of medicine, whether it's Ayurveda, right, which stems from India, or traditional Chinese medicine, or Korean folk medicine, or, you know, native medicine, there's always been a recognition of not all body is the same and therefore not all treatment is the same. Mm -hmm. So, so it, so it sounds like you actually may know quite a bit about Ayurveda. I did. I lived in India for a bit of time studying Ayurveda and becoming a yoga instructor there. Um, so it absolutely, yeah. And, and at Four Sigmatic, we do use a lot of Ayurvedic herbs. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's an amazing, okay. it's an amazing practice. So could you briefly go over for the listeners each of the dosha types because, and for me as well, because I'm pretty sure I am, um, I think I'm kapha, is that, if that's how you pronounce it? Yeah, more earth element. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm honestly not completely sure. Um, I guess perhaps I'll find out after you give us a brief rundown, but I think it's super interesting because it just gives people an idea of kind of like how their body like naturally is. 
Yeah. So I'm no like expert in Ayurveda. It's definitely a piece of my work. Um, my lens of herbalism is vitalism, which we can go into as well. And there's four constitutions rather than three doshas, which is Ayurveda. Um, but kind of a very brief foundation is all of us have all three doshas within us. So it's not as if we like, I am predominantly pitta, which is this more fiery dosha. So if we think about the fire element, we think of heat and warming foods, spices, a lot of energy, burning through things fast, moving really quickly, right? So all of those traits are associated with this pitta. And then we have the vata, which is more of the air element. And so if you know friends that might be like a little more go with the flow, not don't feel like they have their earth, their feet on the earth. Um, you know, they're a lot, typically a lot smaller body types, like more thin and frail. Um, and uh, like the food associated with vata is a lot more light, airy food. So think of raw foods, right? Like uncooked vegetables um, versus in the pitta, we think of like kimchi, fermented foods, spicy foods, uh, foods that take the body longer. It takes more agni, which is our digestive fire. So it takes more agni to break down. So like nuts and certain um, dried fruits are in that category. And then what you are, Nick, possibly, which I am already picking up on based on sitting with you for 10 minutes, is this kapha or kapha energy, which is the earth element. Um, and so oftentimes these people are very grounded, right? They're, um, you know, the foods associated with it are more root vegetables, um, uh, not somewhat maybe more bland, but I'm thinking of like sweet potatoes and, um, you know, the squashes and things that come at the late fall, um, but have this really centered balance kind of grounding earth energy. And it's just without judging any of them, you know, it's fascinating to think about when you're in India, the goal is to be as kapha as possible, you know, because that way you can sit and meditate and do your practice for hours, you know, years. And so that's the, what everyone's striving to be. In the States, people were like constantly pushed to be more pitta, right? It's like the more you can do, the better, faster, better, stronger, go, 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 go. Um, and, and so it's not as if one dosha is better and we all, we all have all three of them. So we're born, the time we're born, we're actually born with the, uh, three doshas in different levels. And so the goal is not to have them all at an equal level, but it's to balance these different elements based on what your body, uh, thrives at best. Right? So is it, so Okay, so let's say that I am predominantly kapha. Uh huh. Does that mean that I am naturally inclined to that that I'm naturally drawn towards kapha foods and kapha activities in order to increase that, or is it that that's actually what I don't need more of, and I need to branch into other things that actually kind of balance me out more. Yeah. So it depends on if your um, kind of original base dosha is kapha dominant, then that's what you want to get back to. But 
if you're in an imbalanced kapha, then you're going to be craving more of what keeps you imbalanced. So for me, I'm imbalanced pitta. I have too much fire. And all I want to eat is things that encourage that energy to continue to grow. So I'm attracted to all of the things that are keeping me in this pitta rather than eating more of the kapha foods that would actually bring me into more of a state of balance that matches the levels that I kind of, it's really fascinating. It's literally your time of birth. You have your different doshas set for you at these different levels. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to get back to, to create that kind of our baseline of balance as -hmm. individuals. Okay. So I'm curious because obviously, especially in, in the Western world or perhaps in general, I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but inflammation is rampant. And so is inflammation correlated with uh, Pitta? So that's a good question. And yeah, inflammation is like one of the biggest kind of, it's like no matter what ailment you're looking at, there's likely going to be some sort of inflammation. And I think there's so many factors that are contributing. And the way I'd look at it, rather than it being associated with like, obviously inflammation is hot, right? Um, but it's a, inflammation in a balanced state is actually very important, right? Our body becomes inflamed um, to, you know, let's say we cut our arm and we start bleeding and there's inflammation that happens to bring more blood flow and energy into that area of our body so it can heal. So inflammation on its own isn't bad. It's that this excess or chronic inflammation Um, that there's such a huge list of reasons of why that's happening. And the way that I would rather encourage us thinking about it is our body has this, I call it like a vital force. You know, it's the energy that makes us us beyond these shells that we're in. Like we all have this, this vital force. It's our life force, whether you want to call it your chi or your prana or, you know, whatever name, your energy we're alive. Simple as that. And there's many things that are blocking that life force from flowing freely. And one of those big things that is, that's blocking that is often inflammation. And that could come from such a wide range of um, things, whether it's um, a food sensitivity that you're continuing to eat over and over again, and it's causing this chronic inflammation or a practice that you're engaging in um, that's actually really detrimental to your well-being. Um, and yeah, so rather than it being kind of this specific energy system, I'd encourage us thinking, okay, my body has a unique um, balance of different elements and hot and cold and temperatures and um, you know moisture levels as do our medicine. And what we're trying to do is remove the obstacles that are blocking our life force from flowing and then using our plants or our mushrooms, you know, our, our whole repertoire of natural medicine to kind of restoke the fire to allow, you know, eventually my goal is that we don't have to use the plants and fungi long-term. Like we, we can use them as we need them. And there are certain ones that are tonics that are really building and nourishing, um, you know, for, for quite extended periods of time, but we never want to rely on anything. Our body is brilliant and, and very wise, and it knows how to um, 
heal and thrive on its own as long as we're giving it we're taking away the tools that are blocking the life force from flowing and then offering ourselves you know supporting ourselves with the allies that can enable us to have sufficient energy and um you know be able to sleep at night and get the right signals from our body so we're not in blood sugar you know roller coasters or you name it mm-hmm. okay so before we go into the superfood mushrooms i do want to ask you what are some of your practices that like you say open you up and kind of give room for that stream of life force to come through you yeah some of them are simple and some of them might be a little weirder but i feel like even the weird practices are now in 2020 people are like i'm on board let's try it right Um, like 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 a static dance or something like that totally like ecstatic dance um actually recently did a webinar on this which people couldn't we can go link it in the show notes but on vitalist practices which is all sorts of practices that stoke that life force and a big piece of that is um, hydrotherapy right so there's this big craze now with Wim Hof and doing cold therapy but it can be as simple as um, you know I have a stream across the street from me and I dunk full body in the stream every day until I feel that vital response if you don't have a body of water you can put cold water at um, the bottom of your bathtub or shower and just walk around in it until you feel that vital force coming up your body. Um, there's different types of breath work, right? Or pranayama that you can do. There's different exercises. And the thing to remember is it's not about doing something that seems super foreign and weird to you. It's remembering to meet yourself where you're at. And that's how our life force is really going to be stoked is not like, Oh, I'm going to like take a cold ice bath. If, you know, I live in a cold region and that sounds horrible. Don't do it, right? This is about supporting like self-care is at the root of these vitalist practices. So what, you know, of course, challenge yourself, but also make sure that you're choosing practices that are sustainable and that you can look forward to. Um, and so, yeah, rather than me being like, what I do is right for you, I'll, I'll offer a big list of whether it's the exercise or the breathing or the meditation or the grounding practices or the water practices. And um, yeah, I encourage choosing the one that makes sense to you and you'll know. Yeah. Well, awesome. So, so what are some of those practices? Yeah. So all sorts of like that kind of hydrotherapy and then uh, many different types of meditation um, practices. You know, I, I practice Vedic meditation, but there's really simple meditations that you can try on, like taking a few minutes out of your day. And um, I like to use the beginning mantra, breathing in, let, and when you exhale, go, and just doing that for even, you know, three to five minutes um, or less, like goal, three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's even physical things you can do. So instead of using kind of a nice cushy towel, you can use a really rough towel and dry your body with that until you feel kind of that vital response. We're trying to wake up our inner vitality and so yeah i think the big arenas would be um there's a butterfly that keeps flying in. i've seen it i've seen it <laughs> um, but 
yeah, kind of the breath, the meditation, the, the water hydrotherapy practices, mm-hmm. um, and, and like the exercise movement practices. And there's a bunch in there mm-hmm. in category. Well, awesome. Um, I mean, I definitely resonate with that and I agree. I think some of my favorite practices personally are cold exposure. So, you know, the cold shower in the morning, whether it's, I mean, it's usually honestly, honestly just finishing my hot shower with like 30 seconds of cold. And obviously, yeah, that's good for your skin and your hair and like all, you know, things like that, but it feels good. Um, And it's training yourself. It's training your body and your nervous system to adapt to stress, similar to what the mushrooms do. So I kind of want to get into that and hear about how, like, what is it that actually makes these mushrooms special? Oh, they are so incredible. Um, So there's a couple kind of um, umbrella categories that many of our mushrooms have in common. And we can talk about those and then just like you and I have many things in common, we're sitting here and talking about health and wellness and we both like to take cold showers, but yet we offer something unique into the world, similarly with our mushrooms. Um, and so what we're talking about for everyone out there is, is this class of mushrooms called functional mushrooms, which are very different from a portobello or you know a mushroom you might find growing in your lawn or psychedelic mushrooms or poisonous mushrooms. Um, they are mushrooms that have known studied benefits to the human body that have been used by cultures around the world for hundreds, some of them thousands of years. So they're some of our oldest, safest natural medicines. And two of the things that they have in common, many of them, which I find is quite relevant for us in 2020, are their ability to support the immune system and the stress response. And so maybe we'll start with stress um, and and how they do that is they're in this category of natural medicine called adaptogens. Are you familiar with adaptogens? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You think your audience is familiar? Should we do like a (laughs) Probably not. I don't don't think so. Um, A trendy word out there, but. um, It helps you like just adapt to stress, right? Perfect spark notes edition. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're, um, there's a couple criteria that um, make a plant or a fungi an adaptogen, but essentially, as Nick so succinctly put it, they give our bodies tools to more quickly and efficiently deal with stressors, whether those are internal stressors or external stressors. And um, this is so vital because when our body is stressed, there are so many other parts of our body that are not working. Right? When we are stressed, we are in survival mode. Our immune system is not functioning optimally. Our digestive system isn't working. Our uh, sleep cycle can be altered. So there's, by supporting our stress response, it is like one of the first lines of defense before um, really looking at issues that might be deeper than that. You know, people so often, I, I had a private clinical practice as an herbalist and people would come to me and be like, yeah, I'm really stressed, but this is what I'm here to address. Um, I'm here to address these headaches, for example. And they'd sometimes get frustrated when I said, okay, we're going to deal with your stress response first. So like I came here to get my, you know, a headache medicine and make me a headache formula. And 
that's really treating uh, the symptom rather than the cause. And so what we want to look at when we are talking about wellness, right? True wellness is sustainable. It's long-term. It's not putting a bandaid on something and letting that wounds go deeper and deeper. It's addressing from the root so that the problem goes away. Um, and it's incredible when we are able to deal with our stress response and calm our stress and get ourselves out of a state of stress, of literally a, a state of survival mode, what seemingly unrelated symptoms begin to resolve on their own. You know, it's like all of our energy was put towards stress and, and thinking that we were in this fight or flight scenario. And when that goes away, our body wants to restore and our body can move to these other areas of our body um, to, you know, maybe that headache goes away or maybe you start um, sleeping again. So um, our functional mushrooms as adaptogens is uh, one of my favorite kind of commonalities among them. Right. That's super insightful because it's the way um, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he, he always says like, whenever we're in a fight or flight state, 100% of our body's resources and energy are going towards that stress response and trying to deal with that. Correct. And so it seems like these, functional mushrooms or, or adaptogens are, are they helping us control? Are they like helping to minimize that stress response? Are they giving our body the tools to deal with that? Yeah. So functional mushrooms are some of my favorite adaptogens, but there's also many other plant adaptogens. Um, so things like ashwagandha, rhodiola, eleuthero root, tulsi or holy basil, um, and the, the things that they have in common, which make them adaptogens, uh, there's four criteria. And so all of them are, they're non-toxic, they're naturally occurring. Um, the, the thing that, uh, they're non-habit forming, uh, which is each one of these, you know, is, is really important and sets them apart from a lot of other herbs in our, you know, or natural medicines out there. Um, but yeah, think of like non-toxic, you can't take too much and have kind of a toxic dose. So even a lot of our beneficial plants, it's like you can take too much and it's like the dose makes the poison. Um, so adaptogens don't have that. They're, they're really safe in that way of being non-toxic. This non-habit forming piece is um, they're not stimulating our body and, and pushing our body in a certain direction. And so unlike, you know, a tea leaf or coffee bean that, that has this um, stimulation factor where we need more and more to experience the same effects. Uh, the adaptions are not like that. This is why we call them tonics and they are meant to be used um, on a long-term basis. Um, and then the, the, fourth, the fourth thing, um, so naturally occurring, non-toxic, non-habit forming, and um, the fourth is that they're non-specific. This is kind of what trips people up sometimes, but they're not pushing or moving our body in a, in a direction. Um, which is very rare. So pretty much any time we take um, a natural medicine, I'm like looking around my garden at an easy example, but um, yeah. like dandelion, right? Dandelion's everywhere. That has a specific action on the body, right? So I have 
I take the dandelion leaf, that's going to address my kidneys. If I take the root, it's going to be a liver tonic. Um, adaptogens are nonspecific. So they kind of adapt to what your body is needing. Um, and this is, you know, why there's so much conversation about them is they really work with you to help bring balance and equilibrium into your body. And, and on a more like literal level, they are giving us the ability. So when the stressor occurs, they can kind of um, react to it and then bring our, our bodies back into a state of equilibrium as quickly as possible. So we're not stuck in that fight or flight stress mode, you know, where there's cortisol and adrenaline pumping through our bloodstream, keeping us in that survival state. They get, help get us out of that and back into the state of balance so that the rest of our body can start working again optimally. That's so fascinating. So it literally, so it helps with, with anything, like whatever is wrong down there, as long as you put it in, it's going to do something. Yeah, it depends on the adaptogens, right? This is a big category. What they have in common are those four things. And so, you know, as a group, they're, they're helping our stress response, which yeah, in our modern day, you could say almost helps with anything um, because so many of us are stressed and we don't realize that the stress is actually the mask um, and the problem behind what we think might be, you know, more of a symptom. Um, but but there is, a, there is a spectrum, right? So there's adaptogens that um, are more gentle and more nourishing and ones that are a little more pushy. Um, so they do each, you know, they're all their own unique species. Um, but as a group, yeah, they, they help adapt and bring that balance to everybody. Yeah. So is the one that we're drinking right now, cordyceps with cacao, is that, does that fit that category of being an adaptogen? Yeah. Cordyceps is an adaptogen. Um, I don't talk about cordyceps that much, but it's a fascinating mushroom. Do you know about what you're ingesting right now? Not that much. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it says perform on the packet and I've heard about how, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not completely sure. I just know it helps me perform. So <laughs> yeah, you feel it, huh? Mm -hmm. You take cordyceps. Cordyceps is one of those, um, natural kind of medicines that I say, if you don't believe in the benefit of our plants or our fungi, take cordyceps and you really do feel the effects within, it depends on the body, but you know, 15, 30 minutes, but definitely from one usage. And it's really important to look at where some of these species come from to understand what it's doing for our bodies today. So cordyceps is a very unique fungi. It is actually a parasite. Several of our, our mushrooms are parasitic, um, but primarily to different trees. Whereas cordyceps in their wild original form are parasites to insects. So we found them on, you know, like up, Himalayan bat moths are one of the um, species that we found them growing on up above 13,000 feet in the Himalayan mountain range. So, um, you know, China, Nepal, Tibet, Northern India, really, really high elevations and, um, Sherpas or mountain climbers were said to be the first to discover cordyceps and they actually saw their yaks. It was like big furry animals munching on this cordyceps 
that was growing out of these insects' bodies, super wild. You can go Google BBC cordyceps to see what this looks like. <laughs> and then you just see it like in the gym, like lifting weights. Totally. <laughs> but we think of these, you know, the Sherpas were like, okay, we're going to start eating these. And they are carrying things. They're tracking up these huge mountains when in really thin air, um, you know, like limited oxygen intake at these really high mountainous regions. And they took the cordyceps and like, wow, we not only have more energy, we are able to breathe better. Like we're able to kind of persevere at these higher altitudes. Part of that was the adaptogenic effect, right? That was supporting their stress response because being exposed to altitude is a stressor on the body in and of itself, right? So stress isn't just, we watch the news and like, boom, stress response, that's part of it. But there's also environmental stressors that we're exposed to all the time. You know, like in Colorado right now, we have four major fires free radicals in the air, that's a lot of stress on the body, just breathing that in. Um, so yeah, not only was it helping that stress response, but cordyceps um, actually helps to increase our body's ability to uptake oxygen, which without, it doesn't have any stimulant. There's no like caffeine or upper in there, but by increasing oxygenation in our system, we feel a greater sense of energy, right? So I used to, um, I mean, I use cordyceps for so many things, but um, I used to, in my practice, use it uh, for a lot of my uh, clients that had asthma issues, right? Bringing oxygen into their lungs. Um, of course, high-performing athletes. Um, you can use it pre-workout to kind of get that quick boost, but um, again, to not rely on anything, I recommend um, if you are a big athlete, taking it in recovery to really rebuild your system and you'll see the benefits more long-term. Uh, but really, yeah, this fascinating, fascinating functional mushroom at Four Sigmatic. We're a vegan plant-based company, disclosure. So no insects were harmed in the making of our cordyceps. Um, and yeah, the wild variety is pretty, pretty rare. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's not something you want to support. It's pretty unsustainable and inhumane, the practices that they're using. So um, with cordyceps, it's one of the few that, that I don't recommend you know, using any wild, any variety that says wild harvested on it. Right. So I actually have asthma. Um, and I do notice, like, I mean, I, I've subconsciously noticed perhaps like for the past hour, it is a little bit easier for me to breathe. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm always very attentive to my breath kind of just naturally mm -hmm. and also through practice, obviously, but I don't know, maybe that's placebo or maybe I'm making it up, but that is something worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times uh, people are like, where's the research? Um, cordyceps and many of our functional mushrooms are very well researched. Um, there's an amazing uh, herbalist, Robert Rogers out of Canada, and he just came out with the first book that's um, all human clinical style, human clinical trials on functional mushrooms. Um, and he said he used to always give talks and, um, you know, doctors or physicians would come up to him and be like, yeah, but show me the double blind placebo human clinical trial. And he's like, yeah, you can go here. They exist. They're happening all over. And they're like, yeah, yeah. put it in one place and, and show it to me. And so he just uh, released this book actually over the, over the quarantine. So it's very fresh, but um, yeah, this isn't just um, like story or, or placebo. There's actually beyond um, 
the, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years of actual uh, use, which I find, well, I'm like getting so lost, but the research is also there, you know, so we do have, if people, you know, want to go off and, and um, see what the, the studies look like, like fully, fully encouraged. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's placebo, but it's also, you know, bringing up to 15% more oxygen in your blood. So you'll, right. you'll like to feel that too. And it's much better, you know, I feel like these plant medicine solutions are much better than, you know, taking an aspirin, for example, because like you said, it's, it's getting to the root and it's helping you in a holistic manner instead of, you know, I have a headache, I'm going to take Tylenol. It's not really doing anything. If anything, it's blocking the signal that your body is trying to give to you and saying, Hey, we need more of this. Maybe it's more sleep or more water or whatever it may be. And so yeah, that's super interesting. And so what, in your opinion, or, or I don't know, fact, what is the, the most beneficial mushroom of them all? Is it chaga? So, or, or, or can you like really not, or can you really not compare them? This is really not fact. It depends on what you're needing, but the, the number one mushroom that I would recommend for anyone kind of new or not sure or wanting to start experimenting is reishi. Um, reishi is the queen of mushrooms. She's really gentle and nourishing, um, but also a powerful, powerful ally. Um, she's been used, one of the oldest medicines used in traditional Chinese medicine um, and incredibly revered. She's known as this elixir of life and longevity tonic and um, chi tonic and um, yeah, and all of the, uh, it's called the Materia Medica. It's like the encyclopedia of natural medicine. Um, we have Materia Medicas in many different traditions, but in the TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, Materia Medica, uh, Reishi is the number one ranked species in this whole plethora of, you know, natural plants or fungi, or, um, you know, they also use many other strange species like deer antlers and black ants and all sorts of other things too. But Reishi is the number one, um, ally for for very good reason and um yeah for sigmatic we've kind of put names for our mushrooms to make it more easy and digestible to understand what they do um and we call reishi our chill mushroom um but yeah. really you know supreme benefits to both the immune system and um, these adaptogenic qualities and so really uh, just you know a great baseline to start with as a way of like if you don't know what's going on with your body, but you don't feel a hundred percent bringing kind of this nourishing tonic, like reishi on board. I look at it like a way of um, almost like clearing the fog on a window. So you can actually have a clearer picture of what's going on with the state of your health. Really? So could you go into that a little bit more by like the clearing the fog? Are you saying that it? opens you in, in such a way where you're able to better understand your stress responses? So reishi is considered a mind, body, spirit mushroom. So I think there's definitely a piece kind of when you were saying, um, you know, taking an aspirin or a Tylenol, like I definitely 
Um, there's amazing things that Western medicine can do for certain things, but but as you said, those are isolated constituents. Um, so you know, even our aspirin, I thought it was fitting that you brought that up as your first example, right? The original aspirin is coming from Salix alba, right? Which is willow bark. Um, and so many of our Western medications are isolated compounds from a more whole form of a plant or a fungi. Um, and yeah, so our bodies recognize when we take something in its natural whole form, our bodies recognize and can utilize it in a way that doesn't often there's always allergies, but add extra um, stress on, you know, our liver to process it or basically become more of a burden than um, they're worth. Um, but, but with ratio, but by clearing this fog, it's going back to that idea or example that there's many things going on with our body that we're not really taught the holistic integration of every part of our body. You know, it's like, my best friend's partner just got his gallbladder removed. And she's like, he doesn't need his gallbladder. I'm like, he can never eat fats again. We're just not taught the physiology of our body. So when we think something is wrong with our shoulder, you know, it's, we don't want to necessarily address the shoulder. Like where is, mm. where is that problem coming from? Like what's, what's connected to? Correct. And where is the root of the issue so that the problem doesn't move deeper, which often happens, you know, if we, slather on you know the band-aid and say like, oh it's not there anymore but we haven't addressed the root that root is going to keep growing and maybe express itself in different ways whether it's a food allergy later on or chronic inflammation somewhere or you know you name it autoimmune conditions that will continue to grow and manifest um and so when i when i talk about clearing the fog with reishi it's a really great starting point to remove some of the things that we might say, oh, I think it's this, or I think it's this, or, and, and um, a lot of times those more immediate, um, those things that grab our attention are often related to the stress response. Um, and so when we can kind of start activating like reishi being this life tonic, right? Talk about those vitalist practices, helping to reinvigorate our body's life force we can see more clearly, okay, maybe you do still have digestive issues, or maybe you were just in a state of stress. And after you took reishi for a few weeks to months, um, that stress response cleared and your digestion, you know, your digestive fire started working again. And now we see the problem is actually, um, you know, whatever, a sluggish liver or whatever it might be. Um, you're not just kind of blindly treating a symptom. You're getting a clearer idea of what the state of that person's health is so that you can more accurately address the root of the issue to offer a more long-term solution. Mm -hmm. And that's an important point because to kind of branch off of that, it's, uh, it's obviously not like you can't, you can't have a shitty diet and drink like I feel I mean I don't know maybe I'm wrong but I feel like if you're if you're eating a crap diet and you're drinking you can drink as as much you know as many mushrooms as you want it is probably not going to do you that much good it'll still do you good still drink your mushrooms <laughs> that's like, oh my god please drink your mushrooms yeah. uh, but I, just to speak to your point it is 
holistic health incorporates so much more than just what we're putting in our body. Um, so, you know, I used to have talk with a few of my friends that are therapists all the time. I'm like, I have this client on the most epic diet, the most perfect formulas for their body. Like we're doing these vitalist practices. And if there was mental blocks, like if they were dealing with some emotional trauma or, or, or something, you know, that I was beyond my scope of practice to work with, they weren't going to get better. And then I talked to my psychotherapist friends and they'd say, you know, I have, we've been working on all these deep emotional things and these traumas for weeks or months and yet they're only propping their body up on caffeine they're not able to sleep at night you know there's no nourishment in their body and they're not getting better and so it you know that's like really just incorporating mind and body but um yeah holistic wellness does incorporate more than just like oh let me take this this little drink or pill or whatever and and it's a quick fix it's like okay how can I support all these different angles of my body? Um, and without it being overwhelming, it's kind of exciting. It's like once you take the first step, yeah. and maybe that's drinking, like elevating. And that's what's so cool about Four Sigmatic is like, it's the easiest thing to still drink like a delicious cup of hot chocolate, but we're getting 500 milligrams of cordyceps mushroom extract in this. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's it's elevating, it's adding to what you're doing rather than feeling like, you know, it's depriving or it's overwhelming. It's just that first step to really waking up that vital response, allowing your body to feel more um, kind of optimal and alive. And from there, it's kind of cool. You, you do want to do more to support your, your wellness mm-hmm. after you, you kind of, it's like a mental shift too. Like, cool, now I'm taking care of myself you know, like bring it on. What's next? What's next? Exactly. And so is it true that we share DNA with like a considerable portion of our DNA with these mushrooms? We do. We share about, I mean, the, the percentage is debated, but about 40%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm sure that speaks to some of its great effectiveness. So the way to think about it is, um, Fungi are everywhere in our environment, and they are exposed to a lot of, um, you know, whether it's some sort of antigen, you know, bacteria or um, a virus, even funguses that are negative, right? So, like, this is a huge biological kingdom, the fungal kingdom. Um, there's our beneficial functional mushrooms. There's also things like black mold, right? And and many of our functional mushrooms defend themselves out in nature against um, you know, these predators or these kind of like bad guys in whatever way we want to think of it. They're called antigens. Um, and so when we use the medicine, when we take those same functional mushrooms, they can have um, a similar effect of, um, you know, being antibacterial or antiviral um, or even antifungal in our own bodies. Mm-hmm. Because it, yeah, because it come, it becomes a part of you. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's hilarious. He said that I have a friend, hippie friend. I live in Boulder. Every time before he eats a meal, he's like, thank you. And now you become me. But it's so simple and hilarious. And it, and it's real. It's like, okay, yeah, now we are. Um, yeah, that is now becoming part of us. And we are utilizing their compounds that they're made of in our own system and in whichever way they move and um, yeah, work. It's pretty amazing that's amazing and so 
just, I mean, I feel like you probably haven't had an illness in quite a long time. Yeah, I haven't been sick um, in several years. I'm trying to think of the last time. Yeah. Actually, yeah, both of my, um, I have my best friend who lives with me and, and her partner and the two of them, we think both um, got, I'm like not even allowed to say it on the air. You might have to cut this part out, um, but they both got COVID, but I'm not allowed to say that. So both my roommate and her partner um, got really sick earlier this year and I was making them mushroom teas and these decoctions um, and I didn't get sick at all. And I, we were actually living in the same space, um, breathing in the same air, it was the middle of winter and I could not stress more the importance of raising our own vitality, strengthening our own immune system so that whether it's this virus, the next one, the next one, whatever it kind of morphs into, our body is strong enough to not be a host for, you know, that, that strain. And so rather than disinfecting and feeling like a victim and running away, it's how can I build myself up so I am strong enough to, um, to not be a host and to, to be move through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because our body is, is, is built to defend against absolutely anything. Absolutely. We just need the tools and the nutrients to be able to do it. And a lot of times we are deficient in, you know, certain macronutrients, micronutrients, you know, our soil is depleted today. And so it's like, how can we get, give our bodies what it needs to work as its strongest self? Mm -hmm. So what are some of your, some of your core nutritional practices in general, like besides for, you know, the, the, the mushroom piece, what are some of your core nutritional practices? Yeah. Um, you're also not going to like this answer because it's so body dependent. Again, you know, it works for me. doesn't work for mm -hmm. many people. Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the biggest um, challenges is people want like a quick answer. But if you look at someone that's plant-based, you can have equal resources that say being keto is better. And if you look at, you know, a soy-based diet, someone's like, no, that's, you know, the equal and opposite. So it's really looking at how can we, um, eat for our own body. The, the yeah. three principles that I um, do encourage for almost anyone, anyone really, are as much as possible eating local, organic, and seasonal. Um, I was at a friend's this morning and they're growing so much food. And she was like, it's crazy. You know, these days, um, Tim is like, what should we have for dinner? And it's like, oh, let's go out in the garden and see what's growing. Um, and it was like this, I just, my whole body lit up. I'm like, this is how we evolved to nourish ourselves. It's like, what's the, there's so much wisdom in, um, in the earth and nature and seasonality that aligns with our body. You know, first thing in the, the spring, there's the creasy greens, you know, the dandelions, these things that are really, um, helpful to activate our liver. And typically in the winter, you know, we've been eating, more meats or fermented foods or things that have 
um, you know, that, that we need to then, when we're coming out into the spring, we need to kind of cleanse. And so we have these plants that are showing up at every step of the way to support and nourish our bodies in, in what they need. You know, in the summer we have like so many raw things growing. It's, it's great to have, you know, eat more raw salads, things like that in the summer. In the winter, those things often aren't growing. And so it is, you know, we, we need warmer foods, whether those are root vegetables or things that, you know, traditionally would survive through the cold winter months before we had refrigeration and the ability to ship any food across the world at any given moment. So organic, local, and seasonal for all. And then, um, yeah, work with an herbalist and nutritionist to find the dietary needs that work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's... it's um it's super important, like you said, to be able to, to just listen to your body. And honestly, I feel like this is definitely something that I can do a much better job at because sometimes I feel like I listen to my body, but I don't necessarily heed it, heed its advice and actually do what I think it's telling me to do. Um, but obviously, I mean, other times it's, it's actually quite difficult, at least in my experience to, to really understand and determine what the body is trying to say and, and communicate to you. Because everything is a communication, whether it's a pain that you're feeling or yeah. an ache or something. And so what is your approach to to listening to your body? Is it just a lot of meditation and just being mindful and just figuring it out as you go or? So I would encourage if you, you know, you're dealing with something to work with a practitioner because Yes, it's about listening to our body. Um, there's a great book by Charles Einstein called The Yoga of Eating that I'll recommend, but um, it, sometimes our body can give us the wrong messages, which can be really confusing. And so, you know, the, the classic example of that is you wake up, you eat a lot of sugar for breakfast, and an hour later, your body's burned through that sugar and you're crashing and all you want is more sugar. And you're like, oh, but my body told me I wanted more sugar, so I'm going to listen to it but you're actually in this like negative peak and valley cycle of being on the sugar roller coaster. And that's so common in the sad diet, you know, the standard American diet, we call the sad diet as nutritionists. Um, And so, yeah, knowing that your body is giving you the right messages is, is really key. And um, there's, I wish we were taught basic nutrition so that we could know, but um, I think, you know, with my clients, at least it's, how can I help you understand your body so that eventually you don't need me and eventually, you know, what the signal is telling you. Um, But we're not taught that, you know, when we're craving a lot of sugar, it often means we're deficient in chromium, you know, which is this like trace mineral that's so important. And a lot of times they give someone a chromium supplement and their sugar cravings go away. You know, there's this, these relationships that happen or, you know, sometimes we're so stressed and we meditate all day, but our, our bodies are super deficient in magnesium, you know, this cellular relaxer. And so there's just, you know, I think, yes, listen to your body. Um, and also if you are not sure, um, start learning. And I think working with, um, a practitioner is one of the best ways to be able to ask questions and then be able to learn 
you know, until hopefully one day this is taught in our public education system. But for now, it's like, how can we go out and, and educate ourselves to know how to listen to our bodies, you know, taking the test of what dosha are you or what constitution are you and um, just being curious, you know, having an open mind, being gentle with yourself, knowing that like it's not our fault that we were never taught how to properly nourish our bodies. Um, and I think we're, we're all looking for that and we're hungry for that. And so it's exciting to see where this will go and shift and um, yeah, working with someone or, or finding the tools to learn yourself would be kind of the first big steps. So before we move on to my final question, I want to ask you about lion's mane because I feel like that's like a really popular one that people are fascinated by because they know it, you know, has to do with cognition and it's really good for our brain. Yeah. And so I want to hear your take on lion's mane. Yeah. Lion's mane is amazing mushroom. We have the little saying lion's mane for your brain. So everyone can remember it. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's, you know, been nicknamed uh, the nerve mushroom. And for those out there that are like, lions, what? This has nothing to do with an animal. You know, it's this white stringy cascading fungus that grows on trees that kind of resembles the mane of a lion. Um, and yeah, there's, we're, we're, there's so much research on it right now. And I'm so hopeful about what we're discovering. Um, but kind of one of the big things that's being studied is its ability to activate nerve growth factor. Um, which is this hormone responsible for neurons firing everywhere in our body. Um, but what's so powerful about these two compounds in lion's mane um, is that it's able to activate that NGF um, within the blood-brain barrier. And so there's a lot of um, research out there for neurodegenerative diseases. Um, and then, you know, for Sigmatic, we put it in our products that people typically turn to for productivity, whether it's coffee or matcha or, you know, focus shots. It's like we're looking to have that um, support with focus and creativity. And so, um, yeah, just a fascinating mushroom that, um, yeah, I absolutely love, love using and always ask people, you know, why they're doing a practice that they're doing or if they're eating something, like, why are you eating that? Um, why are you drinking that? And like, what I mean is like, what are you trying to get from that? Mm -hmm. And um, what I like to look at is like, how can I make that even more effective? Right? So it's like, why are we drinking coffee? I want to wake up. I want to bust out emails all day. Cool. Let's add this functional ingredient, the lion's mane extract to almost make that cup of coffee more effective for the reason you reached for it in the first place. That's amazing. It is amazing. Um, and yeah, the, the, the lion's mane coffee is delicious. I like the, I would say I like the matcha one though better. Yeah. 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 It's like, however you take your morning beverage, take it with mushrooms, whether that's matcha or coffee or a chai you choose right and and honestly the products taste amazing you can't really taste the mushroom in in any of them i mean yeah. unless it's just like the straight up like like the chaga elixir for example which i don't believe has any like sweeteners or anything in it mm -hmm. um but yeah it's really good and so my final question for you is just asking you what are three teachers or teachings that have influenced you the most can they be non-human yeah, it can be anything. It can be, yeah, yeah. It's like, it can be a book or a person or a podcast or, you yeah. know, a practice. Yeah. Um, we're just going to give Reishi a lot of love because I feel like we all need it today. But I think Reishi literally directly working with 
the plants and fungi has been one of the greatest teachers. You can read so much or listen to every podcast or every interview and there's nothing like personal experience with natural medicines. There's this matchmaking and interaction that happens when you um, take something that's going to be your unique experience. So don't trust anything I'm saying. Go out and, and try it yourself. Um, and I think, yeah, we call it simple, you know, taking one one herb or fungi at a time. And so um, reishi has been a really, a really big teacher for me. Um, this is a really challenging question. I guess teacher, but also kind of inspiration is this woman, Vandana Shiva. Um, she's been my role model for, for over a decade and um, is a huge Indian activist and author and just total badass who, um, you know, really exemplifies what it looks like to um, kind of be a, an advocate for those that can't speak, which are often, you know, our, our plant and fungal kingdom friends but uh, a lot of work with seed sovereignty and saving heirloom seeds and um, organic agriculture work and just such an incredible human being. Um, and the last, I'm like having a really hard time. There's like several people in my mind, but um, oh, you can only choose three. I guess I'll say- um, More if you'd like. Yeah, this, this book is uh, Radical Mycology Will Totally Change Your Life. It's by the man that taught me to grow mushrooms, Peter McCoy. Um, and he has now an online course called Mycologos and um, is just, you know, such a pioneer in, um, in the fungi space. And so, um, yeah, so, such a great, great teacher. And there's so many more. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, thank you for that. And... I will add those to the show notes for the listeners. Right on. So they know where to find those. But where can everyone find you? Yeah. So on social, I'm Danielle Ryan Broida. My website is Danielle Ryan Wellness. Um, and then, of course, through Four Sigmatic. We are at Four Sigmatic on all social channels and foursigmatic.com. Cool. And so, do you have any final comments or anything you'd like to say to the listeners? Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking care of your body. Um, you know, I think the best thing that we can each do, especially at this wild time, is care for ourselves, refill up our own cup. You know, we can only show up in, out into the world um, in a sustainable way if we are full and we can give by overflowing rather than trying to give from a depleted state. So um, self-care, nourish yourself and know that you're not alone and there's allies all over the place in the form of podcasts like nick and books and the plants and the fungi absolutely well thank you danielle and i wish you the best thank you so much thanks bye